Pedro Boys, welcome to Pedro Boys. I'm Pete. Anchor, 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 anchor edition. Anchor edition. Uh, I don't know if listeners from last week maybe noticed um, a change in the audio quality on my end. Pinches, <laughs> perhaps. Um. I feel like the uh, audio quality on either of our ends is is um, very indicative of our attitude towards the podcast, maybe, because I think you have a very nice mic and it sounds good. And using Anchor now to avoid uh, having to edit two separate audio files, I'm just recording right into my phone. And based on what I heard from last week, boy, you can tell. <clears throat> okay. Um... There's Pete with his weird energy. You really, really got upset about that weird energy comment from last week. I, I'll, I'll just say this about your audio quality. It has been a while since I have sent you or hinted that you should buy a better mic because mm-hmm. Black Friday, which um, you know was last week, I didn't message you at all. Um, in fact, the only text I sent you was 47 minutes. Um, yeah, I just figured you knew a lost cause when you found one. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, a lost cause when I found one. Um, with that being said, we have a jam-packed episode, and with our free um, ser- um, service, we only have an hour. So yes, only an hour. We gotta we gotta push this to the limits. Um, let's Even get some. I do have let, stuff we could talk about up front. But... Yeah, let's get some bad news out of the way. Um, let's 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 get some boring stuff out of the way and then we can get the bad news and then we can talk about the episode okay so exciting things on my end wow Uh, okay yeah let's mondo the the company that's releasing the mandalorian soundtrack on vinyl announced Mm -hmm. that they're releasing the solo soundtrack on vinyl uh by the time this episode airs that will probably already be up on their website but it's got like a pretty cool jacket it's like a slip case and it's everybody's face in the cockpit of the William falcon and it i don't know it's cool check it out and if you're a a even though if i'm being honest solo is my least favorite star wars score it's the only one of the movies i don't have in vinyl so i was pretty excited about that so i think there's a subsect of the fandom that'll be pretty also we'll probably maybe talk later when that so freaking weeks um i the first trade paperbacks in the kind of new chapter of the star wars marvel comics um maybe that marvel started publishing star wars comics and they took place between new hope and empire strikes back and now they've finally bumped it to being between empire strikes back and return of the jedi and so the star wars oh okay and the Darth Vader book um, over the last two weeks both released their first trade collections, uh, collecting the first like six or five episode uh, issues of each of those runs. So I checked both of those out. Um, Destiny Path was the Star Wars one and uh, Dark Heart of the Sith. 
was the Darth Vader one. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're okay. They're okay. I think if you're a fan of Charles Soule, who wrote the Poe Dameron comic book and the Rise, uh, which of Josh ends. Uh, you know, if you if you're passionate about his writing, I think you'll find stuff to enjoy. I wasn't I didn't totally love the Star Wars one, but it had some fun stuff. But I think when you get into the EU, maybe sometimes it's like too much detail, and it's things will happen more than once. Like things that seem big in the movies will be made to seem more mundane. So I don't know. I think it's a little guilty of that. Um, and then I'll say there's like. A lot of comic book, like geek culture clickbait websites that I unfortunately frequent because I get very bo- uh, bored. And those led me to believe that this Darth Vader book was going to be a real slog. I didn't read any of the clickbait articles, but I saw the titles and I was like, oh, this sounds like this book is a disaster. And couldn't be further. I thought it was pretty cool. So if you have to pick one, I would go with the Darth Vader one. Unless you're like ride or die Charles Soul, you really like his stuff. I mean, it's 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 very of his um, ilk. So yeah, I read it, both it'll books. be a while before we get to a book boys. Yeah, but there's definitely a lot of content out there. Um, I've seen some stuff on Star Wars Twitter about some chapters of High Republic being released, um, but I'm not super up on any of the release dates for any of that stuff. I'm going to read it for sure, but I, I'm I not comes out in up to date on any of that. Oh, does it? I think I would check on my phone, but I'm looking into it, but I'm pretty sure it ended up because it was supposed to come out in August with star celebration. But yeah, I, I believe it got bumped to January. So that'll probably come out while we're still in the middle of Disney gallery. <laughs> um, in fact, oh it definitely will, yeah, yeah, that, that, that got announced. Starts, yeah. Yep, it starts the week after Mandalorian is over. So, right into that. But that'll give me time to read that book and before we talk about it, I guess. Yeah, and I'm sure, I mean, a lot of times we do these recaps or we do previews and we're like, we don't really have that much to talk about. We're just kind of spitballing and speculating. But with this, I mean, we can do an entire episode on all of the controversies of the cast. We can do an episode on right. um, specific characters, on like naming. I it's there's so much. Yes, let's do an that episode. This on season naming. has. Uh... <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, you know, when we get to Grey Goo, you know, um, I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about. Oh, I've got a thing. So, yeah. um, with that being said, um. I have, we have um, some really sad news, and then we have um, a controversy that is um, continuing. Hey, it's Mandalorian season two. It wouldn't be Mandalorian if there weren't at this point. Yeah, so the really sad news is today as we're recording this, um, Mm -hmm. David Prowse, is that how you say that? Dave Prowse? Yep, yep, yep. yep. um, He passed away at age 85. Um, Dave was the body of, he was the, um, physical actor of Darth Vader, but he was not the Mm -hmm. voice of Darth Vader. And I believe he was the, um, um, body actor for Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, but not episode, not New Hope. Um, sort of the opposite. He was the only, the only physical presence for A New Hope. And then... In Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, 
there was a man, Bob Anderson, who's an Olympic fencer, who did the fights, the duels, is my understanding. Okay. So Interesting, because you, you see so much of this guy. Um, I, I've, you know, kind of um, heard of him, and you know, I've seen the interviews about him, um, his voice being used mm-hmm. um, during dialogue, and how he sounds like what a farmer or something, like a Scottish farmer. It's it's and... a different voice. You can you can find footage out there of uh, yeah, like on footage where it's his voice instead of James Earl Jones. So um, that that's you know it it was it it was I looking you know I do a little bit of Star Wars searches before we record it, it I mean it's sad a lot of people are you know um, sending their sympathies and their regards um, I definitely you know Vader is I, I the quintessential villain the quintessential like bad guy that you know, you go anywhere in the world and they'll, you know, recognize that character, uh, most likely. So it's, it's very cool that he was a part of that for sure. Absolutely. And I think it, I mean, so much, you know, you, you think of Vader, you think of the breathing, you think of James Earl Jones voice, but I think that there is so much to be said for the physicality of that character. Uh, whether he's, you know, holding on to his belt buckle or doing his little choking on people or pointing at people. Um, I mean, there's, Bear's movements and his physicality are, are also a huge part of in that pursuit. Very clear, not just because we're too um, swole to be Darth Vader, but also I think it's also cool that such an iconic character was ultimately like a collaboration between, you know, Dave Prowse and James Earl Jones and um, I think that speaks to kind of the heart of Star Wars and that so much of it is collaborative. And I think he obviously had an invaluable part to one of the most important collaborations in that franchise. So very cool. When he set the bar so high for Pedro um, Pascal and the other, the other, like uh, the fight um, doubles Mm -hmm. of, you know, he had to meet that and um, have that kind of presence. And he really doesn't. Um, I mean, not to say that, Pedro hasn't done a great job, but like the menacingness, the like, you know, when when you walk into a room, you all eyes go to him, and that really hasn't. And you know, it's no fault of Pedro's. Um, nope. They've just kind of thrown him into the story alongside other characters and other really big characters this season. Never a bridge you can't find to burn, huh, Pete? <laughs> no, I mean, that... I'm, I'm speaking truth to power. Oh boy. Yeah, now, now you, we talk about the body language stuff, like I'm thinking, like in particular, the last thing you see of Vader and Empire, when the Falcon gets away, after he calls out to Luke, and he just sort of is looking out in the distance. And, I mean, it's silent. There's no dialogue there. But in his mm-hmm. performance, uh, even just a, you know, turn to the window, gaze out into space with no face to express yourself or anything. It's still like a very, you can, you, that character, you're able to project onto that character so much because of the physicality he brings to it and because of the way he wields that suit. And the point, he does sort of set the standard for Pedro Pascal and the Mandalorian currently. That's a really important line to 
So, um, I'm sure we're gonna get a lot more info. You know, I I haven't seen any tribute from Star from the Star Wars account, but like, I'm not one of those people that's like they have to respond, do things immediately. Um, Lucasfilm um, posted a picture of him with George Lucas and Carrie Fisher, and then. The actor that played um, Ta- Tarkin, whose name is escaping me right now, Peter which is really cool. Peter Cushing. Um, so, some. I don't know if we should have waited until the end, or if we should have started with it. I think started with it. Um, yeah, I was thinking about. It. I just think so, started uh, it, and then we can talk about the episode, and we can get that out of the way. And, you know. Okay, and then I guess we'll get to the. Um, other the the controversy of the week when we get to the character reveal. Oh, I was thinking that would be what we get to first. I think we address that first, and then we... address it first, then get into the episode. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Um, the thing on Star Wars Twitter, at least from my perspective, I don't know if you checked it out. You've been checking out the last couple of days. I, I've read um, it in the past, but but um, every other kind of comment. Um, from you know a lot of people that are really excited is um, like for for example um, Tia oh my gosh what's her last name Tia it's not Sakura yeah Sakara Sakara she she posted like very excited about this whole thing and then you know people said like three four things about Rosario Dawson being transphobic and was like oh I hadn't heard I'm so sorry I wouldn't have posted this um. To give listeners a refresher on what's happening, um, in October of 2019, um, Rosaria Dawson was being sued for 20 different um, accounts that had 20 different charges of um, things that her and more specifically her family, but she participated in them against a trans man that was their like handyman um, or construction worker or plumber. I think all three, but if you want to look it up, it goes into like pretty vivid detail of the transphobic nature of Rosario Dawson's family, whether it was misgendering, um, trying to evict, this person without any qualms and then actual assault, um, trying to get this person out that Rosario Dawson has allegedly, um, been part of. Now, the only thing Rosario Dawson has said so far is a, I'm sorry that like, this is, this is horrifying. These are baseless claims. And I think that I look forward to talking about this in court. Um, since then only two out of those, 20 charges are still up. Um, so she is still being sued. A bunch of them have been taken away. Um, and that's, that's all, that's all I know as of the writing, as of the writing, uh, as of this podcast, I sent you an article that detailed it a little bit. And then Josh, you said you had already read that article. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the one you sent me was, yeah. Yeah. It's sort of about the various casting controversies of the season thus far. Uh, but this mm-hmm. is, this information was out when she was first casted as well. And I think we maybe alluded to it. So um, if I were a a smart man, 
I would have thought more about how to address this on the pod, but it's Thanksgiving, I guess, is my excuse. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. It's hard because it's all being litigated right now. So my thought was, and I'm sure it's a cop out, that, you know, we bring this information up. We stay that we're aware of it. You know, we let people know that that information's out there, that, you know, this is a dispute that's currently happening. Um, but then we talk about the episode. I don't know. Obviously, if these allegations are true, uh, that's gross and terrible and uh, definitely taints a lot of this episode. Um, well, here's here's something we'll talk about, and I agree with... Um, everything you're saying, Josh, is does the specific um, behind the scenes of an actor change how you view that character? So, like, you know, this is a character that is 12 years in the making. It is in live action. And when I, as soon as I saw her on the screen, you know, I screamed. I wasn't like, oh, my gosh, Rosario Dawson's killing it. You know, all of, like I did not think about all of those things. Just kind of how like you know, I'm probably the most critical person that's a Star Wars podcaster of Ashley Eckstein and her irresponsible pushing of Disney parks. Mm-hmm. Um, but during when I pandemic. during a pandemic, um, really not a great look for anything attached to Ahsoka right now. But like I don't think about any of that. I think of like. The character, I think of everything that she's gone through, and I'm just kind of transported into that, as opposed to you know all of this baggage. And I, I, I mean, I'm, that's probably that, that's a, that's a that's definitely a knock on me of not being able to divorce it, and just wanting to protect a character that I love so much, and I don't want to, you know, give that character away and be like, yeah, that character doesn't mean as much to me anymore because of this. Yeah, it's hard, and it's also because I, you know, I've heard one take on the whole. Um, what do you do when you find out an artist is a garbage person? Thing that is that has really rung with me is like, is <laughs> uh, just Scott Ackerman of of Comedy Bang Bang, I believe, was uh, you're allowed to like the art of a problematic artist up until the point you found out they were a problem. <laughs> so it's like if you, oh my gosh, you know. If, if, I don't know, I don't want to call anyone out, but it's it's like, it's like, yeah, you know, if you watched all of someone's filmography and then found out they were terrible and had done egregious things, then it's like, well, you better not enjoy their next movie, but you kind of already did enjoy the rest of their filmography type of thing. I don't know. I, it's, I mean, it's a question that I think we're all trying to, to figure out. I think it's, um. It'll be it'll be curious to see what the sentiments on it are uh, in ten years or something when we maybe as a as a culture have more practice with it. But yeah, and I don't know. It's it's hard because I feel like me being like, well, it's being litigated. It's in court right now. You know, let's see where this goes and why. But that also feels like kind of a cop out. But I, you know, I don't know. Well, a lot of people have addressed that. You know, um, the innocent until proven guilty versus the, you know, guilty in the court of public opinion debates. And a lot of people are not giving Rosario Dawson the benefit of the doubt because transphobic comments are just the norm. So a lot of people can be convinced and they have this 
detailed account to Rosario Dawson's uh, this is baseless, we'll see you in court response. Mm -hmm. So, I'll say, yeah, I'll say that my opinion is subject to change as more information is out. Mm -hmm. Um, And at this point, and, you know, I'm sure this is, you know, my privilege and not having gone through um, negative situations um, showing of I was able to enjoy this character and have, you know, think this was an amazing episode. Yeah, um, I'm sure I'm shooting myself in the foot here, but I guess I would just say, like, either um, she is being basically accused of these things and she turned in a fantastic performance as arguably my favorite character in Star Wars or she did these terrible things and she turned in an incredible performance as my favorite character in Star Wars um, which is tricky because I don't know yeah it's, it's tricky which is a cop out so, it's all a cop out everything we're saying is a cop out <laughs> Well, it's, it's also, you know, we have to acknowledge the fact that, you know, we're two white guys that are in places of privilege at this point. So a lot of the things that, you know, are negatively impacting Star Wars fans that have a connection to the trans community that I, I specifically don't have, mm-hmm. um, it, it's, it is a action that draws more emotion than it it ever will for me as of right now so Mm -hmm. it's not to say that that's you know that's not something that they shouldn't be feeling it's just that for me i i am able to divorce that from the character as of right now yeah yeah and i guess i'd also just lastly i guess have to throw in there my own biases flaring up because based on the back when I was on social media and like Rosario Dawson was on Luke Cage and stuff and so I would follow her on Twitter Mm -hmm. and based on her social media presence you know it seemed like oh yeah this is a person whose political and social views seem to align with mine and which which would include not being transphobic (laughs) So well, this, that throws another kind of upsetting wrench into the whole thing of, yeah, I don't know. Well, and we'll get into that. We'll get into this one way or another. Um, I don't know if we necessarily will this season because I don't think we're going to see Ahsoka again this season. No, I mean, yeah. um, But she specifically, like, like Rosario Dawson is um, dating, maybe engaged or at least dating Cory Booker. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she step is down from Eric Andre. Oh really? <laughs> um, wow, I'm sure Eric just, Andre I has a lot of comments that about that. Up, so I'm, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. but she she has been one of the um, proactive actors campaigning for Biden. Mm-hmm. So she you know did a lot of engagement um, and did a lot of good that led to you know Biden. Um, getting the presidency. So it, it's definitely, um, a a complex issue. Um, I'm sure that it'll become a lot simpler or it'll become even more, um, complex as more information is coming out. 
So yeah. let's let's get into the start of this episode. The start of this episode starts with me screaming, yes. and then me saying yes. "Let's go," yeah. and then there's and darkness, and then I scream some more, mm-hmm. and I'm mm-hmm. like, "How is this happening? Why? What did I do to deserve this? I can't <laughs> believe this is happening." Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh my I, gosh! I gotta say, such a huge part of it. I mean, you know, talking about Rosario Dawson, and, and she did. I think she had a fantastic performance. But I, I really got it. And if I were a better podcaster, I would have done any research and would have a name. But the makeup and the prosthetics for Ahsoka work. Because in my head, every time they were like live action Ahsoka, always in my head, I was like, I don't. I feel like it would look dumb. I feel like there's no way they would get the look without it looking goofy. Mm-hmm. Or the proportions would be weird, or something. Nope, none of that. The prosthetics, the makeup, it looked fantastic. Like if you, I mean, if you have no idea who Ahsoka is, I feel like you're not gonna watch that show and be like, she looks weird, she looks off, but she looked exactly like Ahsoka, and she fit. She looked like she belonged in live action, and a huge, just such a huge part of that is the costuming and the makeup and the prosthetics and the. You know, alien people hair, whatever you call it. I'm not going to say the word for it. Riku or whatever. Uh, Leiku. Well, there let's get into Leiku for a second. Um, <laughs> this is Leiku, boys. I saw on Twitter, um, I can't give credit to the specific person off the top of my head, but I thought her Leikus were a little short for where they should be based mm. off of Shocking. the... Not shock tea, based off of what we saw in the Mortis arc. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They were very um, long in that. Yeah. But, in, but when she shows up in Rebels, they're shorter than they are in the Mortis arc as well. Yes. And, you know, you know, maybe that shows like, oh, she aged a bunch, or like, you know, they just got it wrong, which is probably the most likely. But one um, Twitter user was saying that it was all about movement. So, like, that that actress couldn't couldn't really move at all because of the lakus. Now, I assume at this point with prosthetics, you have a lot more mobility. But that was just an an initial comment that I thought was really interesting about the, yeah, the length of her lakus. And I think that's fairly easily Star Wars away in that. You know, we learned that Chewbacca is like nine hundred, right? Ahsoka is not a human, so for all we know, Togrutans live for centuries. You know. And the Leku keep growing the whole time. So, you know, look at look at little baby Yanni. Uh, he's 50, you know. Uh, so who knows how old Ahsoka is or where she's at. In, 50 like, and a bad be. student. Because he's had multiple teachers. Mm-hmm. And that's just not how that works. All right? <laughs> like, you get one... And then you hang out with right. Yoda a little bit. So right. you get we are teacher in kindergarten, and then you stick with them until you graduate from college. Well, they're part of a tribe or whatever that they explained in. Uh, in uh, it's like a clan or a tribe that they explain in um, Dooku Jedi Lost. Mm. Um, but we don't have to get into that. All Please all go. I'm saying is that Pregu is a bad student, and we'll get into that a little bit more. Yeah, I thought. I thought they did such a good job with the shadow and the background of showing her dissecting people. Mm-hmm. Um, Particularly with the white lightsaber to like really yes. stood out in a great way. I mean, and, and the hood, the hood was awesome too. Hood was great. And I, I think obviously on this podcast we're super biased, but Filoni just really nailed it in this episode. Did you see I mean, the owl? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. 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 The owl in the, in the bog there, yeah. 
I also think so. Because <laughs> the I was telling my girlfriend when we were rewatching it. Um, well, we have a rule that Pete can only text me the runtime of an episode with no punctuation because he's always watching the episode before me. I will say you texted me right before I started the episode up this time, so I was on your, I was on your heels. I texted Pete back a million out of ten, which is basically the only thing I can say about this. I love this episode so so much. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Arguably, I don't know that any Star Wars is uh, as exciting to me as the finale of Clone Wars, but this is really good. Um, I turned her and I was like, if you showed me just the color palette for this episode of like all of the gross camo greens and browns and swamp colors, mm-hmm. and then you told me this is a color palette of your favorite Star Wars, I'm going to be like, you're a fool. Because it was such a dour uh, color palette, but it really worked in contrast with those white lightsabers and all that stuff is is very neat and i liked it as well because it reminded me of apologize to the tolkien fans out there i want to say it's mirkwood the forest that that pip and 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 mary end up in in two towers yeah i know i know what you're talking about when gandalf reveals himself to them again and is like oh i'm alive by the way and i really liked that there was a sort of a similar with the with the end with the ents Right, exactly. Yeah. With Ahsoka revealing herself, uh, granted we you know, know she's alive, but uh, Dave Filoni has consistently drawn parallels between Ahsoka and Gandalf. So for her to show up in a location like that, I thought was really cool. Well, and here's another thing too, and we'll get into this a little bit more in, you know, in the title of, of you know, the episode Jedi. Oh my is, God, yeah, kind of my one hang up. Is... She, the the lighting and how they, she interacted, like, what she's not saying to Prego and um, Jinjamunji is, we still, you know, we as an audience that have watched Rebels, have watched Clone Wars, know she's not a Jedi. And they, they did a very subtle look at it of her also not being a Jedi as she mowed down dude after dude after dude and is in this very dark, depressing climate searching for something that, at the start of the episode, we have no idea what she's searching for. Well, that's interesting that you said it. Because, I mean, to me, again, to me, my, my hang-up with this episode, coming at it from Aren't I a Good Star Wars Geek, was that she never just said, I can't train him, I'm not a Jedi. And because the other hook in all of this is... We hear Soka's voice at the end of Rise of Skywalker when Rey is communing with Jedi past. So we have her, when last we saw her before this, pretty much doubling down saying, no, I'm not a Jedi. And then here we have her being ambiguous about it. And then the last piece of continuity we currently have has her grouped in with other Jedi. So on the one hand, I'm like, well, she's not a Jedi, but she doesn't say she's not a Jedi. So that gets me wondering, well, has she come back to the Order then? Well, I, at this point, I don't think she has. And yeah. if she, I, I also think that she has not met Luke yet. She has not met Luke. She has not met Leia because I don't, in, in no uncertain terms, would I understand why she wouldn't send them their way. Um, if if they if they hadn't met yet, mm-hmm. 
I I think it all depends on how much weight you put into the um, Grega. I'm 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 butchering his name because I actually Gregor. don't. Great, it's not Grego. Gro, yeah. Grogu. 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 Yeah, Grogu. Um, Say it, it it sh- it shows. It it depends on how much weight you put into the Ahsoka Grogu conversation. Because she's able to, you know, gather. He was a Padawan, had multiple masters, um, was rescued from the temple, and then it all becomes dark and murky. However, she's also able to sense the connection and where he's been as he's been hiding his powers over the years. So, like, how much information does she get about Mando from that conversation with Grogu? But I don't think that would have any say in whether or not she's a Jedi. I think that's just speaks to her force sensitivity well what i'm what i'm saying for that is if she gets that information it's not like she wants to unload her baggage and being like actually there's the difference between the sith and the jedi and the and the gray jedi and i'm the gray jedi and mm-hmm. have you met the bendu he's talking to me and that al right there is actually an, a sentient being that has go- gone with me through time and space and um, I have these friends that I only actually saw for like four or five episodes, but I'm dedicating the last five, six years of my life to trying to find this guy for some unknown reason. Oh, and there's another Mandalorian named Sabine. I don't know where she's at with my buddy Rex, who's probably like a hundred at this point, but you'll see him soon enough. Um, yeah, I just, I just don't feel like I, I feel like she got the sense that Mando was a good guy from the conversation with Grogu. And she didn't feel the need to unload all of those things and be entirely yeah, truthful. Like it's like a slippery slope argument or something, where it's like if she says one thing, she has to say her whole life story. Whereas all she would have to say is, "I'm not a Jedi anymore," or "I left the Jedi Order," or you know, "I am I am no Jedi." End of end of conversation. Uh, now my girlfriend pointed out, or was of the opinion that like for someone like her mom who's watching it, who does not is not thinking about Star Wars in her day-to-day life is never going to watch the Clone Wars has no idea who Ahsoka is that maybe a character showing up with two lightsabers and then saying I am no Jedi is more confusion than it's worth like if you're a casual viewer of Star Wars I guess like general grievous aside if you have a lightsaber, you're a Jedi or you're a Sith, and that's who has lightsabers. And they communicate it very well that she's on her own path as she, you know, um, fights to get that information of where's Admiral Thrawn. Um, I suppose. I I didn't I didn't mind knowing what I know, you know knowing what we know. It's the same thing going back to episode was that episode three with Bo-Katan of. You don't know what the different houses are. You don't, you know, you get little bits of information that, you know, it would be nice for people to have more information, but it's not, like, wholly necessary. Um, yeah, but I also, here's the other thing, is this season, particularly with us finding out that he's part of a splinter group of Mandalorian, that he's, like, part of the Death Watch cult, and we talk about his life being so dogmatic and so much about following a creed and following the rules of this creed to meet someone who had a similar upbringing, arguably, and walked away from an establishment like that, 
I think would be very powerful and very interesting at this point in Mando's journey. So on top of my being a little irked of like, why didn't she just say I'm not a Jedi anymore? It's, I think thematically it would have been interesting as well. It's very strange. I suspect there will be a deluge of interviews with Filoni in the coming uh, days. Maybe, maybe not, hopefully. And maybe they'll talk about it in uh, the Disney Gallery show. Oh, I mean, that's a whole episode. That's a whole episode is Ahsoka. Yeah, probably. 100%. I really learned to trust Dave Filoni's decisions when it comes to this, and I assume that there's a reason for this. He's a fantastic storyteller. Oh, yeah. I mean... I, I'm curious if they'll, they'll seeing how great this is, if they'll give him a shot at a live action movie. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's probably wishful thinking, but it's like, is this a backdoor pilot to something? And we'll find out about that in a month or two, but yeah. Um, I'm leaning towards yes. That's a, that's a backdoor pilot. Yeah. So um, I, I would say. There's part. There's a part of this episode that ties into Star Wars Rebels that I think we're inevitably going to get to. I think what I would like to do is talk about everything else we want to talk about, and then at the very end, let's talk about that connection to Rebels, and let's talk about this how this fits in with what we know from Rebels, and we'll save that to the end. That way, if listeners haven't watched Rebels, they can stop there. Okay. So I want to talk about Grogu and the name reveal. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. I, I I didn't hate it. No, uh, I didn't either. I, I think good. you know, I was surprised. At, you know, we had Yanni because of the Y. You know, Yaddle, Yoda, Grogu. Not a huge ring to it. I loved the reasoning without getting into details for Mando of why she really didn't want to train him. Of all the fear yeah. that exists in him. Yep. And how he, in all of his lessons, has basically... It's basically been tortured out of him as he's mm-hmm. been running for his life and had, you know, um, that blood taken away to, you know, functionally create Snokes. And he's, you know, been in, for the last, you know, what, 20 years in a state of fear for his life, trying to survive and etc. I am curious... Once we get to what is it, the temple at Tython? Mm-hmm. Um, let me double check on that. If we see a completely different Grogo, yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, and I, I, I really loved all the background we got on Grogu because I was like, I don't know, it's 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 like the thing with Ray, right? Where it's like Ray is either nobody, and that's interesting to me or she's a convoluted mess of mythology uh which is what we ended up getting but to me you know little yanni was sort of the same way where it's like honestly i never even entertained that he'd just be some guy but the the fact that they reveal like oh yeah he's not no he's not like yoda's clone or whatever he's just he was a jedi padawan and he was at the temple of coruscant he's just he's just some jedi from coruscant like all the rest of them and then it's like, well, wait, what are you talking about? There's there's only one Yoda. But it's like, well, not really. Yaddle was there. Nobody made a big deal about Yaddle. Just like probably nobody made a big deal about Grogu. Um, yeah, I really liked it. I like the small, more like mundane answers to things. And, like it, that. and it also, it 
makes this connection and it like brings Mando into the fold of listen, you don't know anything about this, you know, religion of being a Jedi, but a lot of the things that you have brought you to care so much about him and risk your life to get him to this point are reasons that she is uncomfortable training him specifically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the interaction with that hired gun um, was pretty good between Grogu. Yeah, Michael Bean. Um, is it Michael Bean? I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Bean. He's in Terminator and Aliens. Yeah, yeah, that's what. Um, yeah, Michael Bean. Yep. Um, I thought that was. I thought that was pretty good. I thought you know when he keeps responding to his name, it still makes yep. reminds me of a pet where you yep. like say their name yep, and they exactly. and they and they recognize it. But for me, yep. it's. I honestly think, and I'm curious if they're going to go this route, that really. Grogu is a person whose mind has been wiped or has this PTSD to just push things away and push emotions away because they're just too much. So I think if, you know, he doesn't get kidnapped and captured, blah, 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 at Tython next next episode, we are probably going to see a a character change um, in Grogu that we haven't seen um, in the previous episodes. The potential's certainly there, and it's, it's, I mean, it really does reframe the entire character as, is this character a baby or not? And, like, this character has lived a whole life. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Because let's, 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 really let's age though. Grogu at this point. So, he is over 50 years old at the start of, the, uh, of episode one, correct? Um, okay, hold on. Yeah. And then so right now we're six years past Return of the Jedi. And then Return of the Jedi. And Return of the Jedi is like three. Yeah, I was gonna say three. New Hope. And New Hope is nineteen years after Revenge of the Sith, so that gets us to twenty-eight years. And then there's like nine to twelve years, I think, between Phantom Menace and. So yeah, he's he's around like Phantom Menace times. He's he's around already. Yeah. And, presumably. And so it's you know perfectly reasonable to think that he was trained separately due to his age. Um Right. And you know, it's not like Ahsoka knows every single Jedi, right? Like she didn't know Kanan. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and you know, when she was there, she had you know, she was a Padawan for a good bit, but then immediately got thrown into conflict. And then was away, mm-hmm. so like, it makes perfect sense that she would not see. Maybe you know we'll get more information about that. Um, but I, 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 I'm, I, I think firmly that we're gonna see a a, a character change and maybe even like speaking, honestly. Um, wonder for for the next episode if he makes it to the temple. Um, if he makes it to the temple, they. At the end of the episode, um, she sends him to Tython to like a Jedi temple. Right, and, but and, I think they probably have to go fight a monster before then. So well, it'll probably will be another week. They probably have to like the Bendu is going to be like whoa, 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 and then um, Mando will like burn him to the ground or something. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Tython has only been referenced 
has been referenced in um, the like game or something. The Doctor Afra series. Oh, oh. Yeah, um, and it has also been spoken in the same um, sentence as Octo, Coruscant, Jeddah, and Osis. So hmm. it's one of the like Jedi Temple planets um, that Curious. that um, she's being sent that she sent them to. And then with the Dr. Afra, I mean, I didn't read Dr. Afra at all, but there is an empire presence at some point. There was one on Tython. If, mm-hmm. if there still is, who knows? We do I know if I read that or not, we do know that, or we can like strongly guess that Guinean will be on their tail and we'll probably meet them at Tython. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. That's what I that's what I was going to say about Corvus. Um and that didn't mm-hmm. happen. Yeah, so did you like them establishing that Beskar can block lightsabers so that Mando can get a spear made of Beskar so that he can have a sword fight with Moff Gideon? Oh my gosh. That's so funny. <laughs> I actually thought that the throw the ball the like um stone force use thing and um, little Yanni grabbing it so quickly was for when he like gets his powers. I I'm foreseeing a like Mando having to fight people off, waiting until little Yanni is able to like you know revitalize himself and then decide is he going to be a Jedi or a Sith or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, I I didn't connect that. I didn't connect the dots at all about the. Um, dark saber spear i mean that's 100 percent correct wow <laughs> um i so right from go right from that cold open you think his head's gonna be cut off just like game of thrones yeah probably no no it'll be smushed uh, oh my gosh oh wow I'm, I'm my mind is racing all right sorry josh you were saying right from the beginning of that cold open you have ludwig gornson quoting kevin kiner's ahsoka theme which i think is awesome and is, is like a very cool homage to, I would have to assume at this point, the person who's made the most Star Wars music. I mean, he did seven seasons of Clone Wars. He did four seasons of Star Wars Rebels. So to see his themes quoted here um, for a potentially broader audience, I guess, was, was really cool. I thought that was very classy, and it is such a good theme. So I also lost it over that. Um, and then those droids, the HK-87 droids, of course, uh, a callback to HK-47, who's a droid from Knights of the Old Republic, which I never played, but I'm aware of the character, and I always love a good assassin droid. I have to say, um, the fact that the droids wore clothes, I thought, was the height of decadence. I skirts. You'll have to correct me on this. When Ahsoka and Grogu were having their training and their conversation, was that the Obi-Wan theme or was that the Yoda theme? Yoda. It was the Yoda theme? Yeah. Okay. She mentions Yoda and then they get a quote of the Yoda theme. Uh, okay. Because I, 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 def- I distinctly was like, that was really cool um, during that part. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about Johnny F. stealing and just shoving another movie into Mandalorian. Um, I saw a bunch of pictures 
of a Kurosawa. Yojimbo. Um, of a Kurosawa yeah, film. Shot for shot. Um, Him walking down the down the street with the dust blowing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like the same shot. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, to be to be fair, Dave Filoni directed it. Um, yeah, I, I obviously went bananas over that as well. Yojimbo is one of my favorite Kurosawa movies, which I'm is a very basic thing to say but it's a really good one i think if you are looking to watch a kurosawa film yojimbo is the closest thing akira kurosawa has to like a blockbuster um, so i would definitely recommend checking that out but yeah i was i was going bananas over that to see ahsoka in live action homaging Jiro mifune in yojimbo is yeah it's a thing of beauty yeah so the all of that stuff is really cool of um, Ahsoka, you know, dissecting and going through the village. I thought it was hilarious that she didn't correct him when he was like, you can't go up against all of those people. And it's like, she would have done that that day if if she, <laughs> you know, the villagers weren't, lives weren't in danger. She would have probably just snuck in through the night. And now that she feels free to kill all of them, she would not have felt any remorse whatsoever. Um, yeah. But I mean, really, really cool scenes. Um, it kind of aged Ahsoka a little bit, you know. Ahsoka's kind of like this gymnast um, Jedi you, you see in her roles um, in Rebels. You know, when she takes on Va- <clears throat> uh, spoilers for Rebels, <laughs> when she takes on Vader, you know, she's doing those multiple black backflips with her lightsabers, and you know, she does those acrobatic jumps to get onto the mini ghost i forget what it's called the the jumper or whatever mm-hmm. um I think it's called the, phantom. the phantom right yep 100 percent um which is not a, is not a big it's you know not a big deal um it i thought i still thought it was a really good job of how they're showing ahsoka of just like coming in and out um and just like using the force to like take people out slow one by one yeah, and I mean, I think it's, you know, you you bring the set of skills you need for the fight you're in. Oh, 100%. So you know, fighting a bunch of goons probably doesn't necessarily warrant a thousand backflips. Plus, you need to save uh, her energy for Morgan Elsbeth. Yeah, what a name. That was a great fight, though. Looked beautiful. I'm a sucker for a shallow pond, so that whole the set was, was fantastic. Big fan of all that. And I guess from there... Why don't we pivot into this last part so we can be done and also talk about this Rebels connection. Okay, yeah, sure. So, so spoilers, Star Wars Rebels. If you haven't seen any Star Wars Rebels, just stop listening here. Have a great week. Goodbye. So, and it's like her boss could have only been, like that whole time I was like, all right, what's the reveal we're going to get? And the reveal, it's its interesting that it was Thrawn because it felt like it may as well have been Maul, even though Maul is dead. Like it just, Maul's been know, dead for, you if, know, it felt like nine years at this point mall when malls revealed in solo they have been open about the script for that movie essentially being solved for x and that there was a whole bunch of different people they considered so like the story wasn't written to be a reveal of mall it was written to have some sort of cameo or whatever and they plugged mall in Uh uh-huh but like to have to have that be thrawn feel feels like thrawn is just mall now like he's the big villain who has now gone to the outskirts and is doing crime or something. I don't know. Who knows? But, well, rebuilding. Uh, so she, she is in charge of 
building the Imperial fleet with mm -hmm. apparently wood. Um, we don't really know what this planet specifically does with their resources. Um, but I read that as he, she's going through either Maul, not Maul, Thrawn is back and he, she's going through contacts of Thrawn or she's just trying to like, no, that that's, that's my basic guess is I don't know how she knows Thrawn's back, but she's going through contacts that she's heard. And one thing we have to remember is she's a spy. You know, she creates, she's, she's fulcrum. So she has this, these skills behind her of finding information and getting information in a particularly vicious yeah. way in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also I, I'm of the opinion after watching this episode that this takes place before the coda of Star Wars Rebels. Um, what do you mean? I, I think this is before Ahsoka gets her white robes and her big powerful staff. Oh, um. And I think perhaps these investigations yield information, and then when she has information or a lead, she comes to Sabine. Okay, that's interesting. Because you would imagine, Isn't it, though? you would imagine, and I guess we're now in Rebel stuff. You would imagine Sabine, though. You know, they they've wiped out Mandalore. Um, what happened to her mom? What happened to her brother? That she would be part of that. But I guess does she help Bocaton take over Mandalore, then heads back? Or I thought she had been. Well, she seems to just be kicking it on the fall. Yeah. So. But we have no context for that decision. So, I mean, it could be just like, I'm done with war. I'm going back to Lothal. I'm out. I'm retired. And then Ahsoka shows up and is like, but wait. I mean, you know, who knows? And then that ends up being the pilot of this spinoff that they're obviously setting up. Yeah, Sabine's uh, the big, like, what if? And mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. is the toughest story to explain if it's, if this is set um, before she... Ahsoka and Sabine meet. Oh, I, I have faith that they're able to do it. Um, I would lastly point out that the introduction of Thrawn, or the potential introduction of Thrawn, also brings in the potential for the Chiss Ascendancy, which is where Thrawn is from. Right. Which brings in a lot of potential for, like, I could, you know, the Chiss Ascendancy could be a force of antagonism beyond the sequel trilogy mm -hmm. it could also be a group to which Lil grogu goes that extricates him from the tragedies leading into the sequel trilogy or something like that um i don't know so it, it presents a broader canvas to this story and to the future star wars storytelling because they're like not necessarily extra galactic but they are their own entire culture and society that is not involved in the empire or in the republic okay and thrawn is an emissary of that group who ends up leaving the ascendancy and coming to the galaxy proper so there's a yeah there's a very wide canvas that is potentially introduced should thrawn pop up here and it's also like thrawn in the original books that. Charles, not Charles, um, Timothy, Zahn Timothy Zahn wrote is like they're the outskirts and they come into the um, galaxy. 
but with the well, no, in the original books, he's part of the empire. Well, he's part of the empire as he is in current continuity. Yeah, but he's he is essentially the leader of the imperial remnant in the old legends continuity. Yes. Um, but it, that's not the indicated as the case at any point that Thrawn's connected with the First Order. Um, otherwise, no. that'd be a huge like gap because why wouldn't Thrawn be in charge of everything? Um, well, because he was jettisoned into space by whales, obviously. <laughs> Um, seeing Kylo and Thrawn uh, talk about that um, would be a delight to see that at some point. Um, yeah, it's it's very it's very interesting to see where where they're coming at. I particularly think it's going to be all for a spinoff, and this was just like a standalone to set the set all of that off. I hope they call it Tano. Um, I feel like Ahsoka. Eh, I don't know. Je- That's a strong Jedi one. Lost. Nope. Nope. The Lost Jedi. <laughs> um. The hunt for Ezra. Where's Ezra? Ay ay ay. Thrawn, Thrawn, Thrawn. Um, we have three episodes left. Of, and then eight episodes of Disney Plus Gallery. Uh, don't remind me. I so we have three episodes left. Um, we, I mean, he's going to go to Tython, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, past that, it's two episodes. Pete, cards on the table right now. Yes. Does this season end with Sebastian Stan showing up as Luke Skywalker? Oh my gosh, I I would freak. <laughs> Honestly, like I would, I would, like a hundred percent. It would be insane, right? Like, and then season three is just called the Mandalorian. No, well, in like, it it's. I I can't even begin to fathom what season three is, um, but like I. S- well, I obviously season three Grogu will transition from being a puppet to being Jacob Tremblay. I know that much. <laughs> um, it'll be yeah, it'll definitely be interesting because he, one thing that we're not we haven't really talked about at all is it could be a happy you know series and. You know, Greg. I'm sorry, I keep saying Grego. Groku could find Luke, and he could, you know, Goku. be one of the people that helps Luke. And then he dies at some point between episodes se- um, six and seven. You know, like they've written out, they ri- they wrote out like thirty members of the Jedi Council between episodes one, two, and three. Um, so, like, <laughs> that is the potential of there being this happy situation. You know, he pr- or he could just decide not to be a jedi and that explains nope i don't like that okay um i think it'd be great <laughs> i think i think the end of next episode is he gets kidnapped Lil yanni decides not to be a jedi he turns the camera he gives the middle finger and he goes right here pete right here um I, my better bet is in we're safe for work podcast you're all my bet. better bet would be he maybe he's still on the fence like he wants to do away with being a jedi but he 
needs to use his force powers to save his dad. And then Yoda? No, Mando. Oh. Um I don't think I don't think I think it's more of a yeah, it's a father-son relationship. Um that would be my that would be my my bet like Mando's losing or losing a battle and like his spear gets knocked out or something and then like yeah but again just using force powers doesn't make you a jedi right um for sure so um sebastian stan wow i think i think (laughs) it's like i honestly think this might be a three episode arc um we might yeah um could be well, I'm done. All right. Um, Poboys Podcast at gmail.com, at Poboys Podcast, and we will see you next week.